you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Electric People, we are back. And I got to say, Adam, it's good to be side by side with you again. It's been a long time. We did some episodes on our own. A little, a little self-discovery journey. We did. We did. It wasn't the same. We live Definitely on very opposite sides of the country. We don't always get to get together, but when we do, we make the best out of it. <laughs> and we're here with a special guest. To today, make the best out of to it. To make the very best. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this handsome sucker next to us. Leo Sageman, everybody. A staple in the direct sales industry. Sold many products, many companies. Worn many different hats. And is here today with us. How do we book this guy, Adam? He's a tough, he's a tough book. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You just have to go through schedules and, and just blocker after blocker. But when did you start in the industry, Leo? Well, first and foremost, guys, I'm happy and grateful to be here. I'm humbled to be here. For everybody that's listening to this, Ty Williams is a legend in the business. And I mean that with, you know, all sincerity in my heart. Adam McClellan as well has done incredible things over on the East Coast. So I'm humbled, grateful to be here. I've been in the business for 15 years. I started in 2008, something like that, 14, 15 years. 2008, right after my mission. And uh, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Leo's the first guest to intro himself and give us a compliment. Yeah, well, I mean it. Cool. Now I feel, I feel like now that's I feel a metaphor great. for his life, though. It is, dude. He gets people to like him fast. Where'd you start in 2008? So I started in Las Vegas right when the economy took a crap. Like, the story's pretty crazy. So served a mission like most people. Not Where'd like most go? people, but served a mission in Minnesota, of all places. I was like, send me somewhere warm. That's all I asked for. Got sent to Minnesota. And I met an individual there who kind of introduced me to door-to-door sales, a guy named Chris Lee, who I'm extremely grateful for. Chris, if you hear this, I love you. I appreciate you. The Chris, QB of life. QB of life. He's been, he's been a huge, huge uh, uh, blessing in my life, my family's life. So after my mission, I got a Wait, pro- were you in Minnesota in 2007? Uh, yeah, 2005. I was in Minnesota in 2007. You probably, yeah, you were. That was my first year leading a sales team. That's cool. That's we were cool. on a different door-to-door mission, but we were there. That's it. And when I got back from my mission, I was approached by a ton of bros in Utah. Like, dude, you're sharp. Come do the thing. Come do it. Come knock doors. And I was like not wanting to knock doors. I'd knocked doors for two years of my life. I wasn't feeling it. But then got married. And I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to go to school? Am I going to go get a, you know, go be a doctor, an attorney? Like, what am I going to do? And I like for a second pause. And I was like, maybe I do try this door-to-door thing out. Maybe I'll do good. And the only person I knew and I trusted was was this individual, Chris. And so I started talking to him and one thing led to another. And I remember it like it was yesterday. We were in his car. We drove to Taylorsville, Utah. And he's like teaching me the pitch. He's like, this is what you say. This is a contract. This is like the whole thing. I'm retaining zero of it. And we stopped the car and he's like, hey, let's get out and knock together. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I don't want to knock through. I looked up to Chris a ton. And I was like, I don't want to like fail in front of this guy. So I'm like, I'll just go by myself. I think I got the pitch down. Like, just give me a contract and leave me alone. So he drops me off. And it was literally the third home that I knocked in Taylorsville, Utah. I run into this like lady who's just moved in, kind of younger, super worried about burglaries. And I sold her an alarm system. And I couldn't believe I made 150 bucks back then. And it completely like blew my mind. And ever since then, I was addicted to sales. And it's been, it's been awesome. It's been a journey. 
That lady in Taylorsville. She just changed she my could, life. If she could see you now. She could see me now. Taylorsville, just a hotbed of criminal activity <laughs> exactly. for new homeowners. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's been crazy. Do you Dude, remember her name? I don't remember her name at all. It's crazy the, uh, the, the, the way that... It's like when you learn that you can like make things, right? Yeah. When you learn that like you don't have to get like hired to a position and be subject to somebody else's right. like idea of how much income you can earn. Yeah. It's like literally like the like it's almost like just transformative. It's the wall that breaks down in people where they're like, "Okay, here I go." That was a click for me too. Again, I had been working like corporate jobs before that or like 9 to 5s, and the fact that I could go out there, knock on a door, make that kind of money it like it completely changed my paradigm and I, I have an obsessive personality by nature so i remember being in the shower like practicing my pitch my wife yeah. and i would go on a date and like the movie starts in an hour we'd like stop the car i'd go out there knock doors get a deal get back in the car go to the movies as all preseason and it was just it was just cool and again i'm like i'm blown away sometimes i stop and like reflect on my life i can't believe and i'm extremely grateful for the person that got me into the industry so for anybody that listens to this, whoever got you in the industry, call them, tell them you love them, tell them you appreciate them because we have incredible lives and it had to be presented to us and we had to take a chance and go and do it. But if it wasn't presented to us, we could be attorneys making 80,000 bucks a year and that'd suck. Did you ever struggle? <laughs> I would not be an attorney. I think that's aiming a little high for okay. me. Like, okay. No, did, I'm just kidding. Did you ever struggle with the ego part of being a door-to-door salesman in the early, t- in the early stages of your career? So luckily, I always had like really supportive parents and a really supportive wife. Granted, I had an older brother that was going to medical school. I had family going and doing like big things. My parents-in-law ran a very successful business, but I'm actually, I feel really blessed about this because my parents-in-law, my wife, and my parents were always very supportive of what I wanted to go do. So my dad's like, he didn't believe it at first. He's like, there's no way you're going to go make that kind of money selling door-to-door alarms. One, the economy sucks. Two, the market's not good, Vegas. And three, like the attrition for these guys are huge. People bow out all the time. But if you want to do it, if you believe in it, you have my full support. And so again, I had gotten a little taste of success early on and I knew it was just a numbers game and it was a matter of time that I'd go and achieve all my goals. So I didn't personally feel a lot of that pressure. I know a lot of people have, but my inner circle of influential people in my life have always supported me, which I'm super grateful for. I know you're close with your dad and you you have spoken about him, you know, kind of ways he's inspired you over the years. Um, do you mind sharing with, uh, you know, our listeners, just kind of like your dad's background, like yeah, humble geez. beginnings and like, Kind of share with us, like, what, you know, the, the, the sageman roots. Yeah, thank you for that. Everybody has heroes. My hero is my dad. Um, and he's my hero for a lot of reasons. But specifically, you know, for you guys that don't know me, I was born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I came to the United States when I was super young. And if you, like, stop for a second and think about that, like, it was later on in my years where I actually, like, sat down with my dad. I'm like, wait, 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 you just packed up your house, packed up your stuff and moved to a different country. And my dad's like, yeah. And I'm like, was it scary? Like, tell me your emotions through that dad. Cause now I'm a man with kids. And the thought of me moving to like Spain or Spain like, yeah, England with or my something. wife and kids with like nothing freaks me out. Like, how did you do that? And he's like, listen, like through the graces of God or whatever, like we had a small window of opportunity to come to the United States. And your mother and I thought about it, prayed about it and decided, Hey, let's go take a chance to come to the motherland, land of opportunity. And so he sold what little he had, packed up his stuff, came to the United States with 
four kids. He said 300 bucks and a lot of ambition. And my dad, if you guys have ever met my dad, he's the most like ambitious, positive, like loving man you'll ever meet. But he's also dealt with like massive blows. And I think that's one of the things about America that foreigners kind of run into from time to time. It, it is a land of opportunity, but it's a land of like, you gotta like do things a certain way. It's very, very like stringent on like how to go and be successful. And my dad didn't do really well with that stuff, right? So he started a business and mismanaged a few things, good intention, and then he had to file bankruptcy. And at first, the first bankruptcy wasn't like a huge deal. I was a young kid, I didn't know the difference, but I remember seeing the pain in my mom's eyes when it's like, hey, we need to pack up from this house and move to a basement apartment and we've got to go do that stuff. And me and my brothers, my brothers were like in junior high and high school, it meant more for them. To me, I'm like, okay, cool, like let's go do it. But the second bankruptcy my dad had was it hit home. How old were you then? I was like 15 or 16, like the most like important years of like a young man's life, right? Where your image means so much and all these things. I remember that meeting, my dad kind of brought the family together and he's like, hey, I'm sorry to say this guys, but like things didn't work out for X, Y, and Z reasons. We're gonna have to move out of this house. We had made friends and sports and everything. We have to move to Sandy, Utah. Where were you? In Salt Lake City area, Sugar House area. And we're like, okay, so we moved there. I just remember the pain in, in uh, in my dad's eyes, in my mom's eyes, in my brother's eyes, like my eyes, like I really like recognized what was going on. And then not to get like super deep into stuff here, but I remember seeing like my dad kind of fell into this depression where, you know, he's a man of the house, he wants to provide and he can't get a job. He's just been beaten up and spit out, chewed up and spit out. My what mom- What was his profession? He was an architect. He was an architect. And my mom to make ends meet, which again, my mom is my other hero. She barely spoke English went to like choppy English, went and applied for United Airlines, flew to Chicago, Illinois to like do the training, came back, got the job, but it took her away from the family. She'd fly to Brazil. And so she'd be gone three or four days a week. And then she'd come home and my dad was kind of like in this like mental funk stage. And I remember the tension between my mom and my dad and it was just really, really tough. And this is a crazy story, like I'm getting into it. My dad was like in such depression that it almost drew my parents to get a divorce. And at one point, my dad had an MBA, super like, he's a good dude, smart guy. Somebody approached my dad and he's like, hey, Fabio, um, I know you're looking for a job. Until then, do you want to deliver chocolates, Kavanaugh chocolates? And my dad's like, I guess uh, there's nothing else going on there. I'll go deliver chocolates. A guy with an MBA, two businesses, like started delivering chocolates for Kavanaugh. A year later, something like that, one of his customers that he delivered chocolates to was like, Fabio, you speak frequent Portuguese and Spanish and English, right? My dad's like, yeah, I do. He's like, you know, the church is looking for translators to come and they'll pay like good money. My dad's like, oh, cool. Started doing that. Fast forward, he ended up running a whole department for the church in translation. And he uh, he's just a guy that has hustled his whole life and has taught incredible principles to his kids. And I'm forever grateful for him and my mom. They've been huge examples in my life and it's been cool. Dude, there's something about that. And, you know, obviously I don't know anything about it, but there's something about just like the inherent like ancestral grit that yeah, comes totally. with with being, uh, you know, just moving to another country and just figuring it out. Because you, you were talking about it. It's not just the entrepreneurial like American spirit. Culturally, there's differences. Sure, and there are differences that you can't really articulate. And it's like if you are a little off on those, like I was thinking with, okay, you declare bankruptcy. The whole time I'm like, well, no wonder direct sales. It's like, that's just like direct sales. Right. It's like, yes, it's a land of opportunity, 
but there's consequences. It's not like you can just, it's not like a socialized economy where healthcare and all that stuff is just provided, right? So that's probably just to learn that the hard way. 100%. And I think again, like the value from that or the lessons learned there was number one is a dad who like loved his kids emphatically. And I, now I'm a father, like looking back, I'm a man now at the same stages where my dad was when all of this stuff happened. And I, you know, again, from time to time, I sit back and like think of how my dad was operating as a father and a husband during these turbulent times. And he was always there for my soccer games. He was always there to like, I remember like in high school where you're like a little rebellious. My dad was the first one to like sit me down and, hey, Leo, you made some mistakes, but I love you. I appreciate you. You're a good kid. Keep fighting the fight. He was just such a good dad. And, and fast forward time, like the Sagemans, like they're pretty successful individuals. I got an older brother who you know is a heart surgeon. Another brother runs another business, a sister who runs a big woman's organization. I own two companies. I'm one of the VPs of Sunrun Sales and, and so forth. Like everybody's done pretty good. And I think the foundation that my mom and my dad set, although it wasn't a foundation of finance, it was a foundation of love, support, grit, hard work, determination. And it's been cool. It's been great. Well, you've had some, you've had your own, We'll call them Fabio Senior experiences yourself with building things up and then not having it turn out exactly the way that you thought. Would you mind sharing some of those? Yeah, so I I think being an entrepreneur is a really interesting, everybody wants to be one until they're like in the situation where you got to pay taxes and employees and like revenue's not happening. And bear the blunt of things not, yeah, yeah, like coming out as projected. Yeah, it's like being an athlete where it's like, it'd be so cool to be Messi, Ronaldo, until you miss a penalty kick and the whole world is like spitting on your jersey and burning it, right? Wait and, a minute. I mean, They're not messy. on my man's not, jersey not like messy, that? Not messy, but oh, Ronaldo. Me- no one, no one no shuns one, no Messi. One. Ronaldo. Ronaldo right now? Everybody hates Ronaldo. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's for you, Kevin Padilla. Um, <laughs> no, I love it, the idea. It's like the whole city <laughs> comes together to like hail this guy. He misses a shot and like spit on his oh, jersey, dude. dude. They, are, they are not quick to forget. They do get, I, was, I lived in Scotland when Beckham missed a penalty. Oh, in bro, like the, it was like the 98 like, oh, yeah. World Cup or something. As if oh, anyone yeah. that had anything to say about it could have done it any better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. Like greatest striker in the world yeah. and then misses a P, uh, penalty and kick or something like that. And they're dead fans. People were asking me like, hey, if your son were to play for Brazil or America, who would be? I'd be like, America. They're way more forgiving than like Brazilian fans. They yeah. will kill you. <laughs> or better you yet, you'll get them next time, yeah. Sageman. Yeah. Yeah. Better yet, don't be, a, don't be an <laughs> official and get a death threat for, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, back to that. So I started a business at like a young age um, and every single like direction that's happened in my business life has been really it's been really crazy how doors have just kind of opened, even sitting here with you guys, right? There's a pretty unique story behind how I got here. Um, But my business life has kind of been like that and it's been interesting to kind of see it evolve, but I had to start an alarm company, had to. Utah shut down um, dealings with Monotronics. It's a cool story there and I had to start an alarm company. And it was awesome. I learned a ton of lessons doing that. A lot of the people that I work with now, Brig Barron, Jordan Briner, Kevin Padilla, Otto, like these dudes were shield, Freddie Katota were shield protection guys way back in the day. And you learn some like really valuable lessons there where you think it's all hunky-dory or when sales are happening, you know, money is being generated until guys take time off or until you mismanage an order or whatever and you kind of feel a pinch and it kind of always happens at the same time we have to pay taxes or a lawsuit or something weird happens business becomes really really scary and so i was able to kind of weather the storms of that 
And then I kind of saw like off in the distance, this whole solar evolution happening. And I remember thinking Jordan Williams, your brother, who's an outstanding leader, dude, I admire a ton, pivoting out of alarms to go do solar. And I was like, whoa, like what in the world? Why are these like super high talented individuals in good positions bouncing out of alarms to go do solar? And it like really caused me to like stop and take a look at the opportunity. And I was living in Missouri, paid off house in a cul-de-sac, super simple house, paid off car, paid off boat, like simple life. Owned an alarm company. I don't think Leo knows what simple life means. That doesn't sound like it, the simple it's life. It's a simple life in Missouri. Like, <laughs> let me like repeat. Paid that. off house, paid off boat, you know. A paid off simple, simple life. <laughs> a paid off, simple a paid off like used pathfinder so and like a $5,000. No, I'm telling my butler, you know, just <laughs> yeah. easy. Things were easy. Things were good. My airplane was paid off. Like, uh, I'm just know, no big deal. <laughs> but anyway, I see this like whole movement happening and I was like, usually like how I receive personal inspiration is if something like is in my mind and it's gone the next day or the next week, I know it's nothing like worth pursuing. It was like a desire that I had that like wasn't important for me. If it like really stays in my brain and I can't kick it, I know it has roots and I have to like really dig into that. That's how I personally receive like inspiration for myself, my family, my business. And this solar thing was just, it just wouldn't leave my mind. And I remember talking to my wife, Jamie, who again is just an unbelievable woman. I was like, we're in a situation, paid off, things are a lot good. And I'm like, Jamie, I think we need to sell everything and we need to go pursue solar in South Carolina. And she's like, what? We talked about it, she's like, okay, I trust your judgment. I remember Chance called me, Jordan called me, people called me to go do Vivint. I decided to go do another route and launched South Carolina for a large company. Started there by myself, one guy, and then fast forward, a year we had 100 reps and saw a megawatt a week and just absolutely killing it throughout that dealing with mass turbulence and crazy stuff though. Mm. Wow. So what happened then? The, the question is, I know that, that was a success story. Yeah. I'm not interested in that yet. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, cool story. Cool story, bro, cool story. <laughs> well, no, I think, I, think, I think after that, yeah, I think after that we, uh, you know, I was promoted to be the VP over this large company and I am, Again, extremely grateful for everybody there. I think there's been like a few people throughout my life that have just, dude, I just owe them the world. I'm super grateful. Again, I'm a, I was a poor immigrant kid at one point. Now I'm doing fine because of few people believing in me. And there's a lot of people at that company that believed in me. So I'm extremely grateful for them. Um, I was promoted to be VP, oversaw everything on the East Coast. That's where I met Christian Calabuso, who you guys interviewed before. Him and I had like mutual respect. That's where I met. Daryl Doucette, Adam McClellan, all these like giants in the industry. And I think we were able to like navigate complicated waters with like the utmost respect for people, which is something I believe in. Don't burn bridges, make friends, not enemies, like because it will circle back. Yeah, long game. Long game. And Illinois opens up and everyone's like, dude, this market's gonna be crazy. The SREC is huge, roofs are good, like it's gonna be huge. And I pivoted a whole bunch of like heavy artillery out to Illinois. And we start building the Illinois market. We go from eight reps to 20 reps to 50 reps to 100 reps to 300, and that just grew massively. At one point, we were doing 220 deals a week in the state of Illinois. And then I'm in Utah across the street, and I get this phone call. It's like, hey, you got to come in. I come in, and they're like, we got kicked out of the state of Illinois. Like, we're out for whatever reason. And it was one of like, the lowest, darkest, scariest times of my life where I'm like, I have to make some pretty tough decisions 
do I A, continue to be the VP of this awesome company and like forsake all the families there? Or B, do I step in front of this situation and forsake like my cushion job relationship with like all my friends? And that's, it's a heavy, heavy task. I've shed a ton of tears, um, looked at every single scenario, never in my life thought one day I'd be walking into this office. And um, after like a ton of thought, prayer and consideration, that was the best option. And I called Chance and Paul and I'm like, hey guys, my name is Leo. They're like, we know who you are. We know what's going on. My name is Leo. I'm looking for employment. <laughs> yeah, my name is Leo. I'd like to work at your organization. <laughs> you guys need a janitor. I'm like super like, good. I'll I work. don't know if you've heard, but <laughs> things aren't going great. Things aren't going right. great. Before, like before, you get, before you get into that, I, I think like people don't necessarily understand, and I don't 100% understand what it's like, but we've been kicked out of states. We've been kicked out of cities. Luckily, like solar has kind of come around now to be a really like credible, like Stable, quality. Yeah. And yeah, the, the industry operates at a level where this kind of stuff is really rare. But to say, oh, we got kicked out of state and it was really hard. Like people don't understand. It's like, it's, it's almost like, you remember the pursuit of happiness? You seen that? Yeah. It's almost like, hey, I bought all these bone density scanners and my whole life savings is in them and I can't sell these or the technology just shifted. It's like I have put all my eggs in this basket and literally one day to the next, we're out. You know, I mean, I, I remember seeing it. I'm, I've moved teams from one state to the other where you're like, you only have 40 more days. You got to go make it work and you got to pick up shop and you got to move. Like most people get paid a, a like a salary with some benefits because the company will cushion you against that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. When you're direct sales, you get it. You it's, it's good and bad, right? You get the benefit if you do well and a hundred percent of the, the, the brunt of all the upside yeah, all the and downside. all the downside. Right. So it's like from, from Missouri to South Carolina to Chicago to man, what was that circle all about? I mean, that had to have been, it screw with your confidence and everything too. It was or? the hardest business time of my life and it was it was heavy for like a lot of reasons right my family's out there we have a lease on a house true story my wife's parents who were super successful i worked as a janitor there then i got promoted to be a puller then a shipper about a week before we got kicked out of the state i bought that business cash from my parents-in-law and liquidated my assets to acquire that so i was in a really funny situation where i liquidated a lot of my capital Everything I had built up to this point was literally getting pulled away. And my family and other families were looking at me for an answer. And it was, um, dude, it was the hardest, it was the hardest time of my business life. And through that though, and this is like a strong message that I have for everybody is like, I kind of feel like you have to cross that boundary of like craziness to be successful. There's a door that's scary to open and scary to walk through. And you kind of have to do that. Like you guys as well. Like I know you guys have been through some crazy stuff through your careers. You guys had markets shut down. You've lost teams. You've gained teams. You've, you've potentially almost like been rattled to the core where you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll go get a job at Walmart or something. We've all had to cross that bridge of scariness. Chance, Paul, like I've asked them as well. as like, you know, what was your path like? And like, dude, we've dealt with a lot of scary moments through our career. And that was just the scariest moment through me. But through that, there are always like these angels of support. There's always these like angels of like strength. And to me, during that time period where a few individuals, Brig Barron, Jordan Briner, who you guys know, they were like 
anchors of support for me during the hardest time. They held it together while I was here trying to figure stuff out. Chance and Paul were huge anchors for me, like anchors of like light during like the scariest storm of my career. And my wife, Jamie, my parents, I remember Jamie, like literally I was one day, I was having almost like a panic attack because families are out there, bills need to get paid. There's 300 people looking at me for, for an answer. And I remember I was like holding my kid and like he was like trying to talk to me about Legos and I was so disengaged because I was like, what is happening? And I started crying. My wife just grabbed me by the face. She's like, Leo, calm down. Everything will be fine. Everyone here has your back. Just keep marching forward. And it was like, I needed that, right? I needed that to the core. And fast forward time, everything, everything calmed down. Everything went good. People were taken care of. And I'm like forever grateful for that lesson. Um, and again, like I kind of talk about this. I think the greatest generals out there, you talk, I talk about this a lot, like storming the beaches of Normandy is probably one of the scariest experiences a human being can like go through. I can't imagine that. But people that have stormed beaches before are calm in the chaos. You can like tell people, calm down, it's scary, but keep marching forward. The only way you get to that point as a leader is you gotta storm some scary beaches. That's the only way, it doesn't come another way. And there's a lot of people in this industry that's like, no, 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 I wanna be a general at Normandy, but I've never stormed a beach. And I'm like, if you do that, you're gonna lead a lot of people to their death. If you're, if you've, you've got to go storm some beaches, you got to get blown up a few times to then storm people through the beaches of Normandy. And to me, that struggle was earning my stripes to potentially lead a massive organization, which I'm grateful to do now. You mentioned chance. Um, I would say that's, you know, one of the reasons that I've been so loyal to chance is yeah. through, because of the hard things he's been through. Um, you know, with his previous company and things like sure. that, like those those tough times. And it's because, it's not because I admire his, um, you know, tenacity and his work at, like I do admire all that stuff, but it's because he's, he has experiences that most people don't have. Totally. And um, I know that when choppy water comes, it's like I have a seasoned captain totally. that totally. knows how to drive the boat 100%. in choppy waters, right? And even if, um, it didn't go great the first time, you know that you learn a lot from those experiences. So I think that speaks a lot to, you know, your following and all the people that have followed you around. It's like they're loyal to you because they've seen you like battle through yeah, these tough yeah. times, right? I was thinking when you were talking about the beaches that if you haven't stormed beaches and you're at the helm, you're going to get blown up. A lot of people, like one of the things that I've admired about you is is you take the opportunity for the education, even if you've like been in a different situation before. Because even crossing the street, Literally, like for people that can't see, the other buildings, right? I mean, right. you could probably, Adam could probably drive a golf ball and hit it. Yeah. I could drive a golf ball and hit a car <laughs> yeah. halfway there. Yeah. But the, um, I always see people make decisions that are founded on wanting to shortcut and skip steps. Yeah. And the danger, not to you, like this is, I think, what people need to understand is like, if you make a decision to skip a step, Leo yeah. or Adam or Ty or whatever, all right, you'll, you'll probably fumble and bumble a little bit. Right. But you sacrifice the people behind totally. you. Like you put them in a situation where you're not capable of getting them through it. And if you just take the time to go through everything, like I can, I, like this industry is literally littered with people that skip steps and never made it to the top and they can't figure out why. And it's just because they didn't come in 
at the right level, earn it side by side with the guys. And every time you, you know, John Maxwell talks about it, where every time you change positions, roles, companies, industries, fields, you got to start at level one again and yeah. work your way back up to five. But if you do it, it actually is a shortcut, right? Yeah. It just doesn't seem like it at the time. Well, and that's what I was going to say is there's very few people, you know, I think at Vivint Solar and now Sunrun, admittedly, I think we have a bit of an arrogance mm-hmm. when it, in terms of like, we have the, the, the best of the best mm-hmm. working for us. Um, and I think it's pretty rare for someone that comes from outside of our company to be so widely respected as you were that. and then coming in, especially at the level you came in at. And um, where, you know, me, Ty, Jordan, Daryl, we all knew that um, we were getting a rock star. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I think we pride ourselves on organic growth and all mm-hmm. that kind of things. But every now and again, you have a rare opportunity to work with someone who you know can bring just an insane amount of value to the organization. And so when Chance and Paul kind of brought us, you know, the idea of bringing you in, um, and you know this, I was probably the yeah. last one to come around on it. And um, He's the last one to come around on everything, yeah, so stuff. don't take it personally. <laughs> yeah, Jordan, Ty's brother Jordan, actually, we had a conversation, and he put it in perspective for me, and uh, I can't even remember exactly what he said to me, but I was like, after the conversation was over, it was I like, was, "Don't be a what was yeah. he, he basically? He was basically <laughs> just like, <laughs> he was like, you know, Adam, like, just stop." And I was like, "All right." Of course, Jordan's best. He salesman. says, "He says, are you done?" Jordan just are knows how done, to speak Adam? my language, so it's like anytime chance, anytime I get hung up on something, Jordan just calls me. And I'm like, "The chance put you up to this?" Well, it was, Maybe. it was, it was a scary, like it was a scary time in in my life, and I'm sure in like everybody's life, like you guys. A lot of you guys don't understand, like outside in, it's it's a very intimidating culture that you guys have built. You guys, when I say you guys, I mean us, but like you guys have built something crazy. And I'm saying that like as like humbly as I possibly can. Anybody and nobody can deny that, right? And so coming into that is is it's pretty intimidating, right? These are like the 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 alphas of the business that have earned their stripes every step of the way. So as an outsider coming in. It was pretty like intimidating. So I was forever grateful. And a lot of people don't know this, but as like Chance Paul and I were kind of like going through all of this stuff, um, we kind of settled on, hey, we're, we're going to kind of run Solterra, which was a company I owned kind of like on the outside or whatever. And it was actually Jordan Williams who, who randomly showed up at my house one night. And like, he's like, no, 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 because I didn't want to ruffle feathers. It was weird, like whatever. He like showed up and he's like, no, Leo, like let's sit down and talk about this. And And he was the one that like really like, instilled in me that this was the right call, which I'm like extremely grateful for. And you guys have been extremely humbled and, and gracious with everything that you've done. But yeah, it was uh, it was quite the journey to say well, the least. And here's why it worked. Number one, you have a good reputation, right? Like, and, and people people know you. And even the times when we've always met before, it's always been a really positive experience. And, and I think operating with long-term perspective of saying like, hey, there's a good chance that at some point We'll work together, whether that means we have to coordinate yeah. or whether that means we're on the same team. Yeah. It's just likely that sure. if you're good at this job and Sun runs the machine, it's likely that we'll work together. So yeah. I think you've always operated pretty Appreciate well that. there. And like our interactions have yeah. always been positive. Like I remember meeting you and Christian at Door to Door Con and yeah. I was like, yeah, like I just like those guys. Yeah. Like, and I'll help mm-hmm. them win because that's great. Sure. But then well, when Darryl, you- Daryl's vote of confidence too, he had interacted with you the most. Yeah. I think yeah. Daryl really sold, not sold, but like he was like, this is, 
I, he's like, I've interacted with Leo more than anyone else. Right. Trust me, we want him on our team. Yeah. Kind of but thing. the thing from like a like a uh, like skill set standpoint is you had the people. Like that's yeah, that's yeah. the thing is the 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 people in the business that you have will tell you the position. Right. So it's like when I came from Vivint Inc. to Vivint Solar, I didn't come with an army. I just came with a partner. Yeah. Right. And so we, you know, guidance from chance was, hey, go in there and build a team. So we we took a step down on the org chart, which whatever. Right. And and we worked away. That was appropriate. Sure. And I'm sure. grateful for Chance's guidance there. But you come in with a couple hundred people and a different thing is appropriate. Yeah. And so I think the best favor you ever did yourself is you had just like a it's almost like a it's almost like it's like if you're a movie producer and you're like, well I have this canon of hits mm -hmm. so i'd like to work with you so we're like yeah let's obviously bring that business to the business sure, sure. you know what i mean totally, and I, totally. so i think like it's it's awesome and it's easy to say oh you know i'm humbled that you guys wanted to work with me but it's not i mean you just look at the look at the business you're bringing you're like this is a good deal we should do this deal sure, sure. and then luckily we we're able to sit around the table and kind of figure out a way where we can all go out and and win and so one of the things that i'm interested in now that you've seen kind of both sides of the industry from alarms to mm -hmm. solar to another big company that wasn't mm -hmm. sunrun and your own company yeah. what is it that you see here now it's a good question i get asked that a ton right i do have a pretty unique perspective of worked for an alarm company owned an alarm company worked for a solar company owned a solar company now work for sunrun and I think, you know, and this is this is like my honest opinion, right, is there is a lot of sandboxes to play in in solar. And every sandbox is great. There's a lot of good in a variety of sandboxes. Like, there's a lot of good money to be made there. I think the Sunrun sandbox is the sandbox of, like, mass disruption. It's a sandbox of, and I say this all the time, I don't believe Sunrun's goal in life is to go be the largest solar company in the United States. They've done that. Right. Right. If you talk to Lynn and Mary, Chance and Paul, they're like, no, they want to go be the largest utility company in the United States. So when you change that perspective, I think the difference between all of them is here, you're like paving the path for a revolution. And that to me excites me. And there are different people with different goals and different agendas, which is fine. I think if your goal is to go be like a pivotal player in the biggest disruption the United States has ever seen in energy, I think here's a place. And you add on to that 100% when you're swinging against guys that are doing the type of volume that's happening here, your game is just pushed hard, right? Uh, you have to be polished. You have to be better. Like it forces you to really grow and adapt. And I think fundamentally as like a human being, being involved in that type of culture is always going to be good for your career anywhere. And I think that's what this program, that's what Sunrun, that's what the league, the combine, these leaders do is it really helps people get better. It's awesome. And I think a lot of people see that, but you had the courage to to jump. You know, I'm thinking of a James Clear. Do you guys follow James Clear's newsletter? I know. Mm -hmm. It's the best. He call, he calls it the most value per word like on and on the internet or whatever but he keeps it he sends it every week and it's really short and there are these ideas that like I screenshot like every one of them and save them in like my little folder mm -hmm. but um he he was talking about um the way people progress and he said the first thing okay I'm going to butcher the quote but he said the first thing when you're trying to hit a goal or when you're trying to develop is first have the humility to or the the confidence to know what you want and to go for it. Like to be like, man, I actually want to be successful. And even that, like think about for our reps and our leaders, like for some of them, it's like, 
they got these like this pre-wiring of like, I don't know if I'm worthy of it or I've never right, been. Right. Right. But even to say, hey, I want to be successful, mm-hmm. the confidence to, to know what you want, but then the humility to know where you're at. Yeah. So to say like, listen, I've done some stuff. I am not in that situation right now. And then the third thing is the willingness to draw the two together to say, okay, I want to be successful. I'm starting over at a new company. What's the path? Yeah. Right? Totally. And I think when I look at your story, it's like, okay, you knew what you wanted, so there's your confidence, the humility to say, listen, I'll work wherever I can work. Uh, let's, I, I realize where we're at. Let's just go. And now we're, we're, we're forging a new path with multiple different channels, and it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to work. And, and you created a lot of fans because you're so damn likable. Like, you're just so, like, like collaborative and, and in it for the team that you're have a high expertise but a low threat level mm-hmm. and every now and then when you can make people feel safe totally. and impressed yeah. that's a really rare leader that can do well, that. I think you guys have that as well too right and I have to say that and I mean that with all honesty like it could have been viewed differently too and you guys your ability to collaborate your ability to like make room and make stuff happen means a lot and it's uh it's been great man it's been awesome so I appreciate that compliment. What's your take on the industry right now with you know, the news of some of these big dealers going bankrupt and things like that. What's, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of routes in the space right now to make money. So if you're a sales rep who is getting into solar, or you're seeing all these different, you know, companies out there, how do you choose what company to look wow, for? That's a good question. Or to, how do you choose what company to work for, sir? Yeah, I think there's a lot of shocking news, like especially today with what's going on out there. And I guess I would kind of ask the question, are we, are we surprised at all that this is like kind of happening? You know what I'm saying? And I think for the longest time, solar was kind of an interesting industry. I think we'd all agree. It was like a red line game. Nobody really knew the, knew the value of these 25-year assets. And we kind of just all played in the sandbox of like red lines. And you kind of see like this massive exodus from company with low red line here, massive exodus when red line company here lowers it. And there's just a lot of like volatility in that space. And I just, I would just really question if that's a space I want to be a part of. If I'm A, building a team or B, if I'm, if I'm an owner of a company, do I want to be in that space? To me, and I, I learned this, you know, I think we've all kind of learned this. Momentum in solar is everything. It takes time. You look at Boston North. People are like, dude, Boston North's killing it. San Diego, it's killing it. You guys are crazy. My Illinois team's crazy. Like, how long did it take to build that momentum? It takes a long time to like build the culture there. So you want, in my opinion, you want a company that is stable, stable against like the 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 ins and outs of like a new industry, stable with the stock market, stable with utility companies, with just stability. And so again, like you've been able to see like these vivid, like vivid grow and explode because of its stability, its tools, its processes, all of those things. And I think the, the months and the years to come, it's going to be really, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting what happens with a lot of these companies that appears to be almost a race to the bottom. It's a funny thing though, because you think like we've been talking about the, um, I was talking to Jordan today as I was walking through the airport and we got the news of this company going bankrupt. And, uh, it was funny because I'm like, it's almost weird, like climate change people 15 years ago were saying, hey, this is what's gonna start happening. You're gonna see more fires. You're gonna see like more like drastic temperatures. And now we're seeing it today and people are like, they're not like, oh, those guys were right. They're yeah. like, oh, this is a weird year. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you don't like, really no, see no, no, it. no, like we saw and so it. it's yeah. like, 
I look at Sunrun and it's like, it's like if 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 you make fifty grand a year and Adam makes five hundred grand a year and you're going on the same vacation. Yeah. You're fifty, you're five hundred, and it's like, okay, yeah, you could probably go on the same vacation. Maybe you don't get the upgraded suite, but you're there and you're in it. But then. Adam decides to extend and stay an extra five days, yeah. and you can't do that, right. right? Like, I don't think people realize because when you look at these two people on vacation, you're like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. you're both successful guys. And someone else that makes fifty grand might be like, well, the Sage Bins are taking these exotic right. vacations, maybe we can do it. But then one tw- one like change of the wind, and it's an emergency. I don't think people understand that when you're looking at Facebook and Instagram and all these things, yeah. and you're seeing these okay. companies. You are maybe looking at a fifty thousand dollar a year family on a very expensive vacation, yeah. and and one meal comes that they didn't expect, and they're yeah. like, "How are we going to pay for this thing?" Totally. You know what I mean? And yeah, so then they fall out. Is, all it takes is one unexpected event. In I mean, we've we've had those over the years. We've been that family, solar, dude. <laughs> and we've been that family. Somehow managed to survive them, right? And it's like, but a lot of companies can't. Yeah, we look. But away. we're not surprised. I'm, I'm surprised that we're not like. I saw that today. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. But it's like, no, I know the math yeah, of the industry, yeah. and it's likely that ten other people are watching it, and they're like, shoot, 100%. we feel that pain. We're looking at how much that dinner bill was. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and you look at like solar in general. Like back in the day when we got involved in solar, there were like all these EPC companies. There was like all this stuff, and it's consolidated, 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 consolidated to now only being a handful the same thing and why did that happen is people were paying these outrageous things and the the alarm industry the same thing happened back in the day there was SAI you remember they're like yeah. oh, we'll fund anything we'll do anything yeah. all your and, failed credits and like, when you become careless in business you 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 file bankruptcy you lose everything it's kind of a general storm in the beaches of Normandy with no experience that's kind of what's happening right now I feel in the build world right now and and, and the interesting thing is is to keep up with volume, these build companies are getting more and more office spaces, crews. They're having to expand their overhead cost. And at the blink of an eye, a shift of a market and things change. And then people are upside down or a big influx of people go elsewhere. Like that is just, again, on, in a game of momentum, I would just question if that's the best place for somebody. When you think about a Sunrun, right, that has, what did they say, it's 700 and something million a year in billables just from yeah. our contracts, and there's $10 well, no. billion dollars in assets that we now have. Yep. Right? Yeah. And it's I think growing. she said we had 700 and something million just in cash, like in the bank. Was okay. What, what well, that's, that's around that number in what we bill. And so think about, think about this. Like if you're, given the background that you've had, right, like before you own that company, and you lose a team to a company yeah. paying equity or something yeah. like ours, and it's like, oh my gosh, like I have leases on these yeah. trucks, yeah. and I've got like, but here it's almost like, hey, if, if things don't go exactly perfect, we'll merge you with another team, we'll totally. find you another partner, we'll bolster you up, we'll figure it out, but it's not your signature on that warehouse, and so you're kind of in a situation where it's like, hey, have confidence, you can, the worst case scenario is not that bad. Right. So totally, run totally. as fast as you can. Totally. You know what I mean? No, I totally well, I, agree. I explained it to some of our guys the other day. We were talking about it. And um, I said, it's like the difference of if you have like a multimillionaire and then a guy who is just using his life savings to both open like a corner store. Mm-hmm. The multimillionaire, it's just a side project for him. Like, hey, we're going to do a little corner store. Fun idea. The guy with his life savings is like he's putting all his chips on this corner store. So if one thing goes wrong with the life savings guy, He's like, there's, he just can't recover from it, yeah. right? Because he doesn't have 
reserve capital, things like that. The millionaire guy, if something goes wrong, he can just be like, uh, he just you think with a clear head when you're not maxed to the hilt on your finances. So when trouble comes our way at Sunrun, we have so much money in reserve that we're able to just think with a clear head anytime trouble comes. But these companies that are like this balancing act, like almost living paycheck to paycheck where they're just trying, it's like living payroll to payroll. Totally, totally. They're like making unnatural decisions because they don't have this big reserve where they can think clearly. And behind that is people's families, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, hey, I got a car payment, man. And like, there's a know. lot of, there's, from the news today, I mean, there's a lot of families, a lot of deals getting installed that can't be paid on. There's a lot of crazy stuff. So the, the outcome of some rough decisions is detrimental to a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like, when it sours so, a lot of people on the industry, it's totally, like, totally. I mean, it's going to be a rough go for yeah. everyone associated with you know, the situation. Yep. Um, what do you do outside of work, man? So I'm a diehard soccer fan, Brazilian. So well, I'm, Who's your team? So I'm a die. I, this is tough, hard to say right now, but Barcelona was my team until Lionel Messi got sold to PSG. So I guess I'm a PSG fan oh, now. Oh, so you follow Messi. I'm a Messi fan. All right, so that's cool. I respect that. Messi, Neymar, Mbappe for Paris. I'm a huge, I guess I'm a huge Paris fan now. Um, but yeah, my life is my my family. It's my wife. It's my kids. I have two other businesses on the side that I touch up on from time to time. Other people run it for me. But you know, typical typical work days. I go into the work, phone calls, meetings, and then as soon as I can, I try to get home and make it to my kids' practice or dance recitals or whatever I can. So, How old are your kids? So I've got Micah, who's 11, who plays competitive soccer. Liliana, who's nine, who plays soccer and dance. And then Oliver, who's six, who just started school. Get it, Oliver. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, he's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I met Leo's brother. I was out surfing in, uh, in San Clemente, where I live. And uh, I made a friend. Yeah. You don't make friends surfing. Like, <laughs> surfing is a territorial out. place. That's not a place to make friends. No, and I was out there with my son. And there's this like picture Leo smiling in, in a wetsuit. It's pretty much what Fab looks like, his brother. And he's like, hey, man, that's so awesome that you're out here with your kid. And I'm like... Did you guys know each other? No, he yeah. just made a friend. Wait, and it just happened to be his brother? Yeah. So let me get to it. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's my son. He's like, dude, I have a son. He's like, do you have a good coach? And I'm like, yeah, actually, I do. And so we just started talking. And he's like, my name's Fabio. I just moved here. And he asked me what I did, and I said I do solar. And he's like, oh, you might know my brother. I have a brother that, you know, is in solar. And people say that to me all the yeah. time. Like, oh, oh, you must know. Yeah. It's like being in Brazil. Yeah. Oh, I got a brother you, in New you York. Know, yeah. you, know, you know Ronaldo, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, I don't. And he's like, it's, it's Leo Sageman. And I was like, of course you're Leo's brother. You're like, I feel the same feelings. You're all happy. You look great. Like, everybody. So I made a friend on the water. Yeah. And now we like surf together from time to time. Yeah. You know what happens? The first time I actually met you face to face, I don't know if you remember this, but it was at the jazz game. I do remember. And yeah. um, I, was with, I was with my other company there. So he was still working at. It's like uh, the greasers and the sashes shows up. And, <laughs> and you know how I, I'm just like, I'm, for me, just it's, friendly. Yeah. No, if you're for not me, with Adam, like, you're dead to him. Yeah, if you're if you're with me, we've, or you're we've tried to me. talk to oh, Adam about this. He's learned this lesson multiple times. Hey, they will eventually. I work live with the you. short game. Yeah, yeah. I live short. the short game. <laughs> so, um, and I just remember like hearing about Leo, and like everyone was like talking about how great he was and stuff, whatever. And I'm like, this guy's nothing. You know, <laughs> just like I'm, I'm just like. It. I'm like, don't I'm like, don't even talk to me about this dude. Like he's playing in the D League. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he wants to be LeBron. Like it's like LeBron playing in Europe. Like yeah. cool, great player. Try it in the NBA. We'll see how it works, right? And so that was always kind of my mentality. I remember. And um I remember we're at the jazz game and we're like in the little 
like area where you get food or whatever. And this dude just walks up to me. He's like, he's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, you're, uh," he's like, you're Adam McClellan, right? And I was like, yeah, hey, what's going on? He goes, Leo Sageman. He's like, dude, I've heard so much about you, like whatever. And like in my mind, I was like, I hate this guy. <laughs> and within like 30 seconds, I'm like, God, why do I like him already? And I'm like, I wanted to hate you so much. And uh, you're just, you're a pretty easy fellow to like. I so that. Uh, he flipped me in a matter of 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, you know how it is so. like when you're selling, like the tough guys are the easiest ones to yeah. flip. It's yeah. Like, let, me just, was, let me just punch a couple holes in easiest, this exterior. Easiest and, sell is a sales guy. Yeah. You know? yeah. Speaking of which, sports in Utah have messed me up on like, whenever I'm like in LA, like I'm in the Staples Center and I want to like go get some ice cream. Like if you're at the Jazz Arena, you can yeah. get Cold Stone, you can get Yogurtland, you can get like That's Pinkberry. That's with our ticket. Like the no, no, no. I'm saying our, you walk around. Oh, there's yeah, there. thing. Yeah. When you go to like the Staples Center, you can have like a McFlurry <laughs> or beer. That's like it. It's so <laughs> always else. like, I, whenever I go to sporting things, I'm like, man, I want some like hand like tossed like raspberry ice cream no you don't get that's only no, in utah. utah so i picture you at like the froyo stand just, just like he's killing the froyo i was just like doing my <laughs> thing i look adding over. some fresh mangoes yeah, just and killing the froyo. that's awesome man well what do you see in the industry next what do you see what do you see our next challenge being or our next opportunity yeah i think Again, I think there's a super rare foundation that's poured right now. Like where else do we have a multi-billion dollar company with verticals to go and capture any talent out there with politics all aligned, states starting to get aligned. You know, Lynn, Gandhi, whoever, I always say it was Lynn, was actually Gandhi, said first they ignore us and they fight us and they join us. I thought it was Lynn, it was actually Gandhi that said that, but I'll give it to Lynn. <laughs> Lynn like, Gandhi said the same thing, I mean, they're both like, whatever, <laughs> both have eyes. So that has kind of evolved to the point where we're at like, now they join us stage to the industry. And so I just believe fundamentally in my heart, I just believe that this is the biggest bull run we'll ever experience like in our lifetimes. Our parents had dot-com, our parents had oil, our parents had like real estate. Cell phones. Cell phones, like we're Internet. in the biggest boom of our career. And like, what sandbox do you want to play in during that? Do you want to go play in a red line? Hey, here's my margin. This is what I get. Or do you want to go revolutionize energy across the United States? And so I, I am pretty passionate about my, my messaging to people, which is, dude, you're talented. You're good. Like, come be a part of this. I promise you, like, we'll make it happen. But I believe this is going to be the biggest and best opportunity that we'll ever will ever face. Well, I, I think about that. it like this, like, cause people, like, it's interesting to hear your take at like, oh, it's intimidating, like yeah. coming in. Cause it's weird. Cause just being out in the neighborhoods and stuff, I don't feel intimidating. Like I don't, I just don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. But if people are intimidated by the size now, I think it's just, I always think about, okay, LA, right? There's 19 million people in LA. Mm-hmm. We have like 115 sales reps in LA right. and that's like pretty big, but it's like, right. It's, we're not even, I mean, there's 40 million people in California. We have like yeah. 800 sales reps there. Yeah. Trust me, we got a lot of work to do. Right. Tonight, I'm going to fly into Orange County. You're going to fly back to Boston. You're going to drive back home. Yeah. And I'm going to fly over millions right. of homes yeah, that we have not even gotten close to touching. And so I think you're right. And what happens when you open all of these other states? And what, I mean, we need, we need five times the people. I mean, think optimistically, there's what, 3,000 sales reps here? We're going to need 20. And who's right. going to lead them all? Like, you know what I mean? Totally. And I think, I think helping people understand that. And when you say redline, like if you're still talking about what's my cut, right. your cut of a product that another company right. is making, come just 
right. get close to it. Right. You know? No, I, I, I completely agree. And I think that's like, that's the plea here, right? Is that anybody that wants to be part of an incredible industry, an incredible group, like there's plenty of opportunity for growth. We're in a fraction of the states. In the states that we are in, we can double, triple, quadruple in size still. So it's, 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 it's incredible. Now you add, this is the cool thing when this all came together was Sunrun was always an incredible finance company. Like their ability to raise capital is unbelievable. Viv and Solar, although good at that as well, was also incredible, was always incredible at sales, culture, like all of that stuff. When you bring those two together, it it does create a, a perfect storm to go and really build. And so, yeah, I just, I agree with everything that you said. I think it's opportunity is huge. What's your favorite movie? Snatch, Fight Club. Man, what great choices. Snatch, Fight Club, and Rock and Rolla. Guy Ritchie. Rock and Rolla. Man, you you've got it. great, you, man, that, yeah. those are great choices. Rock and Rolla, you have to watch it. Favorite awesome. book? I am reading predictable success right now my favorite book is a book i'm reading and i like it's okay. weird but i'm just so in it predictable success is awesome that's the second time i'm reading it anybody that's out there you should definitely read it, it talks about the evolution of businesses it talks about first you deal with like the early stage and I, I mimic this a lot to an office a relationship life in general like the first stages of anything it's like early struggle hey we're in this new office we don't know the utilities we don't know a bunch of different things then you hit a stage called fun, which is like you kind of figured it out and it's just hyper growth. You're recruiting, everybody's excited, but like pay isn't hitting yet, like insoles aren't dropping yet. And then you hit what's called rough waters, which is- Oh, I want to stay in fun. I don't yeah, want to hit yeah. rough waters. You, you hit rough waters <laughs> where it's like you have to have processes and tools and technology yeah. and operations. Like you guys aren't selling enough. So it's like, you're not in selling enough. You just deal with mass friction. And then there's something called the- um, the owner's dilemma or the founder's dilemma, which is, do you go back to fun? Hey, no, no, no. Like, let's, let's, sounds amazing. let's go back to fun. Like, this is where we are fun. Or do you go back to muscling through? And during that, that time period of, of white waters is where you deal with a lot of attrition, a lot of executives leave, a lot of turbulence happens in an organization, but then you hit predictable success. And I think of like the greats, including you guys, which you are out there, the greats, right, of solar. You guys have gone through a lot of white waters. And a lot of people be like, oh man, it'd be so cool to be Jordan or Ty or Adam or Leo or like Christian or any of these guys. But I was like, dude, like the vast majority of our life is white pain. waters. Yeah, it's mostly it's, pain. It's turbulence, yeah. right? But there are little moments of like stability where you experience hyper growth, everything aligns. And that's where like financially, it's just these massive booms. So my message, my thought process lately, or my, my message to the Fusion Group or anybody out there is like, dude, A, you have to understand the phases of business and the phases of an office, a region, life, happiness, relationships. And B, you have to understand how to muscle through white waters. We are all here, and I say this like as direct as possible. We're not like the best leaders, the best sales guys. Like we're good, sure. like we're great, like we're, we're all right. But we've been able to master like turbulence there's ways of doing that and i think if you can master turbulence and white waters you will inevitably be successful and happy i don't have anything else to add to that no it's been awesome having you on thanks guys Appreciate that was amazing it. thank you so much thanks. for sharing
If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric. <laughs>